I ran across these headlines recently. See if you recognize them. Family feud leaves 69 brothers dead. Powerful government leader caught in love nest. Gang rape leads to victim's death and dismemberment. Girls at party kidnapped and forced to marry strangers. Woman judge says travelers no longer safe on highways. Have you heard those recently? Maybe something sort of like that. Those actually could be headlines from the book of Judges. Those are stories that we will read about in this book of the Bible. Do you believe that? Warren Wearsby highlighted that in his commentary on Judges. So can I just say out of the gate, this is some of the strangest stuff in the Bible. It's some of the most exciting things, but let's just be honest, there's just some weird stuff in Judges. And for those of you who've been in church anytime, you might have maybe two memories of Judges. One would be the story of Gideon, where he puts that fleece out and he says, okay, God, if you really want me to do this and let make the fleece wet and the, dry, the ground around it dry, and he kind of flips it the next day, that might be a story you think about Judges. The other one that's, that's probably in our memory banks, Samson. Maybe you remember Samson had the long hair, strong muscles, killed lots of people. Those are our two kind of anchor points in Judges. And so over the next few weeks, I want to just unpack some of these stories. Can I tell you my first time doing youth ministry in Galena, Kansas? It was Wednesday night. We had this thing uh, before I even got there. It was called God Squad. And that we had the, I had these little kids, little kids. And guess what my first teaching series was with them? Judges. And so I told these stories from judges. And some of the adult leaders, their eyes just started getting big, like, we hired this guy to teach our kids. Because some of these stories are, are wild. But when you're 20-something, like, these are cool stories. There's some wild stuff in here. So I'll just be honest. This is some bizarre stuff. And yet, Paul reminds us that all Scripture is inspired by God. And is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be fully equipped. So there's some useful stuff here. But can I just say, most of these examples that we're going to find in Judges is how not to do it. These, he's, it's, it's, judges is what we call a tragedy. Tragedy means it's a sad story. There's some sad stuff happening. But even in sadness, we can say, okay... I, I get it. Or you might say, okay, I kind of relate to that. That sounds a little bit like my story. So we're going to walk into Judges this week. Specifically, we're gonna, I'm going to just kick us off, look at some overview stuff, chapters 1, 2, and 3. We're not going to read all three chapters, but we're going to read chunks of some of those chapters. So I just want to give you an overview. And what I'm calling this is uh, there's this cycle that happens in Judges. Before we get to the cycle, can I, just, can I tell you the Bible in two minutes? Okay, so set your stopwatches. I think I can do this in two minutes. We'll see. Uh, so we did a series year, a couple years ago called Symbols. And so there's six simple symbols that you can summarize the story of the Bible. So I want you to find out, you know, where is Judges in this story of the Bible? So Genesis 1-2, you can just make a, you can, let's just draw it in, in our, let's just do air drawings with our finger. So get your finger and just make a down arrow, okay? Genesis 1 and 2, creation. God created the heavens and the earth. That's the first part of the story. The next one, we're going to make a big X. So go ahead and do that. Help me. Come on, work this. Big X, Genesis 3, Adam and Eve eat the fruit. 
don't eat the fruit, they do. And so really all of humanity from then on is this big X. But we're going to say Genesis 3 through 11. The next part, Genesis 12, we're going to make another arrow. So go this way. You can make your point it whichever way you want to. You can point it left, you can point it right, however, whichever you want to. So horizontal arrow, promise. And so this is where God says to Abram, I'm going to bless you. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And there's going to be this Savior someday that's going to rescue. And that's Genesis 12 through all of the Old Testament, through Malachi. Judges is early on in that section of promise. We go to the New Testament, and we're going to make a cross. So go ahead and draw your cross. And that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that's the story of Jesus, the good news. Jesus died, buried, and rose from the dead to rescue us from our sins. Then we make another horizontal arrow for Acts through Revelation. So you can point it whichever way. And for that, we would say mission. And the church is on mission. Similar to how God was going to promise and bless the nations in in Abraham in the Old Testament, the church, God's people, Christians, are called to make disciples of all the nations. And that's Acts through Revelation. And then the last one, we're just going to start where we begin. We're in where we begin. Another down arrow. Where, Genesis, where Revelation 21, 22, and there's other places throughout Scripture. But Jesus says, I'm going to make a new heaven, new earth, and that's where we'll spend eternity with God forever. I did it, two minutes, the whole Bible. So the question, what I want you to know is, Judges happens in this horizontal see, uh, series of promise. So Old Testament, we're waiting for this deliverer to come. When he's going to arrive? Judges really circles around a cycle. We're going to see this cycle. It's almost like a song, and it just keeps repeating itself over and over and over. And the longer I studied this past week, it's not just a cycle. It's really a downward spiral, like a whirlpool, and it just gets worse. So you're going to think, this is the best we get in chapters 1 through 3, and it just goes downhill from there fast. And so you're thinking, really? So come back, please. We don't do tragedy very well, do we? No. Why did, how did Disney get so much money? Because they all lived happily ever after. We don't like it when the story doesn't work out well. And so Judges really is a very sad story. And so I don't want to walk you through this cycle or this spiral uh, that we see throughout Judges. And the this, this spiral, you can just write these um, four words down. It's, uh, it's acrostic for sword without the W. S-O-R-D. Sword. Sin. Oppression. Repentance. Deliverance. Sin, oppression, repentance, deliverance. That is one way to describe what's happening throughout the story of Judges. So the first part of the cycle is sin. Thank you for staying awake with me. It's still early. We're only seven minutes in, folks. Okay, you can hang on to this. We're on the end, the tail end of your attention span, but we're getting ready to reboot this thing. Okay, so sin. We're going to see that there's this cycle. In those days, the, the people of Israel, they did evil. They forgot God. They worshiped other gods. We're going to see this throughout. And so it's mentioned a handful of times. Um, But what's happening in Judges, Joshua, the great leader, has brought the people into uh, the promised land, and now Joshua is dying, and so now new leaders are going to be starting to come. 
And they're going to be trying to figure out how this is going to work. And so the people are still settling in the promised land. There's still some skirmishes. There's still some nations that need to be subdued. You get into chapter 1, and Judah comes out of the gate pretty strong. Okay? Judah is the tribe where Jesus is going to come from. And so my daughter, when I practiced this sermon with her, she said, you need to do something that, how did she say it? She said, you need to tell them something gross. I'm like, we can do this in Judges. That's not hard to do. There's something gross. So here's the gross part of the sermon. If you want to follow along, it's in your Bibles. Judges chapter 1, verse uh, 7. So Judah has gone out to attack. It says that the Lord gave the the nations into Judah's hands. Verse 7, then Adonai Bezek said, uh, no, I got to go back up. Verse 4. The Lord, they, the Lord gave the Canaanites into their hands. Verse 5, it was there that they found Adonai Bezek. He was like the king that was oppressing them. They fought against him. They put to rout the Canaanites, the Perizzites. Adonai Bezek uh, fled. They chased him and caught him and cut off his, tho- his thumbs and big toes. It's kind of gross, isn't it? That's in your Bible. Aren't you glad you came to church to hear that? Here's the rest of the story, verse 7. Then Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off have picked up scraps from under my table. Now God has paid me back for what I did to them. They brought him to Jerusalem and he died there. So this guy was rough and that was kind of his M.O. You know, some of those serial killers, they have those weird creepy patterns. And so his was cutting the thumbs off, cutting your toes off which is pretty hard to walk if you don't have a big toe. And it's kind of hard to grab stuff if you don't have a thumb. And so that's what he would do. And so they're like, we're going to show you. We're going to do the same thing. Is that really what Jesus would really want us to do, to get revenge that way? And so they're acting just like their pagan neighbors. Sin. It's sin. The cycle continues. We go over to chapter 2, Judges. Judges really has a long introduction. It also has a long conclusion. But Judges chapter 2, verse 6. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites. So again, we're, leave, we're transitioning from Joshua, good leader, great, great leader. And they went in to take possession of land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord has done for Israel. Pay attention to seeing and vision throughout Judges. They're going to see things. Verse 8, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. This is very similar. He's, he's, chapter 1, verse 1 reminds us after the death of Joshua. You go to Joshua, and it says after the death of Moses. So we have this pattern here in these you know, couple books of the leaders died, we've got a transition. So a leadership transition is happening. Verse 9, they bury Joshua in the land that was his inheritance. Verse 10, underline this, this is sad. After the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. These parents missed it. It just took a generation. They're like, Joshua who? He did what? There's a Red Sea? I, they don't remember. People say Christianity is just one generation from, from extinction. It's true. 
And so can I just call out moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles and cousins that we have a responsibility to tell people about the Lord and what he has done. If we don't, then a generation will show up and like, Jesus who? I feel like that's where we find ourselves right now in our world, don't we? The people around us, they really are like, what do you mean, Jesus? And so how can you help the next generation? That's one of the passions of me, this church. We want to equip the next generation to love Jesus, to know who he is. Here's how you do this. One, you just tell people about your relationship with Jesus. Someone last week was just saying, just tell your story. It's your story of how Jesus has changed you. People can't argue with that. That's your story. So how has Jesus changed you? And what has he done for you? Well, just tell them maybe how God's answered some prayers. Has God any, answered any of your prayers ever? If you've been following Jesus any time at all and you've been praying, then I have a hunch that he's answered them. And maybe not always the way we want him to, but it's still been an answered prayer. Tell them about who Jesus is and what he has done for you. Another way that you can, we, we provide opportunities here for you to learn about the ways of God. We have our education time on Sundays at 9. We call it Jesus and Me. Birth through adults. We've got classes for all ages. We've got lots of good godly people that want to teach your kids and teach our adults to learn how to follow Jesus. That's another tool that you can do. Ian Provan reminds us that the old gods are still with us. They have simply changed their clothes so they merge more easily into the modern crowd. Our text continues in Judges chapter 2, verse 11. In Judges chapter 2, verse 11, after this generation grows up that doesn't know the Lord or what he has done, verse 11 Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals, that's the false gods of their neighbors. So is it any surprise that when they forget who God is that they're going to do evil? I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand. If you don't know who God is, then you're not going to know what he expects or what he wants you to do. And so they do evil. Again, the cycle is beginning. Sin. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. These are pagan gods from old time ago. They would make images for them. They were very sexually explicit Part of the worship involved going to visit a temple priestess and having intercourse with her so that you could have favor with the gods so you could have good crops. Okay, that's, that's what was happening in the culture. Is it any surprise that even now we still have some of that? We not, not call it worship, but we have a sexual culture that doesn't honor marriage. And so the gods are still with us. They've just changed their clothes. J.D. Greer, the guy that gave us the video just a moment ago in that Right Now Media, he says, spiritual amnesia results in spiritual apostasy. So if you forget who God is, then you're going to just fall away from him. Why would you stick around if you don't know who he is? So again, if you want that subscription, it's completely free. You can just text Berlin CC to 49775. That is uh, free, and that video, the video is like 13 minutes long really will supplement our study here. 
if you're interested. So when we forget what God has done, we forget to follow after him. God promises that life without him would lead to curses and oppression. So the cycle starts with sin and then moves to oppression. Here's how it's going to continue. Judges chapter 2, verse 3. So we're going to back up a little bit. I'm kind of hopping back and forth here. But Judges, same chapter, just go up to verse 3. There's this angel that shows up and speaks to them. And he says it to them this way. He says, And I have also said, I will not drive out the nations before you. They will become traps for you, and their gods will become snares to you. He's warning them. He said, If you stick around with these neighbors and you follow your neighbor's ways that do not honor God, they're going to trap you. They're going to be snares for you. And so a snare is something that you set out in the woods when you want to catch some food. You want to eat it. And you try to sneak up on it or you set something. You have a bait. You have something that's going to lure them so that they'll step in just the right position and boom, you've got your, your, your kill. So traps and snares. If you go just in your Bible, like two pages... It's easier to do it in print than it is in your screen, maybe. But I'll hit your back button two times to get to Joshua chapter 23. Joshua 23, verse 11 and 12. Joshua said this, a very similar message. He gave a very similar warning. Joshua 23, 11 and 12. He says, so be very careful to love the Lord your God. It's a good thing to love God. But if you turn away... And ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you. If you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you. Isn't that what we just saw in Judges? Continues, gets a little more. Whips on your back. How's that feel? I'm going to whip on your back. It even gets worse. Thorns in your eyes. You want to have some thorns stuck, stuck in your eye? Until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. God wants what's best for us. And I'm not to say that if you follow Jesus that you won't have any problems, but trust me, following after the gods of this world will lead to problems and heartache. And the people of Judges reminds us that it is, leads to oppression. And so the, the typical cycle, they sin, they follow these other gods. Some strong king comes in and works them over for many years and oppresses them. That's the, that's the picture. The theme that we'll see throughout Judges, specifically in the last few chapters, is the, is the, the tagline for the last, verse of the, Bible, the last verse of Judges. If you want to turn to the last verse of Judges, this summarizes Judges quite well. I'm kind of cheating. Is this how you did your book reports? Read the first part of the book, skip to the end. The last verse in Judges, and you hear a similar refrain a few times in that latter section. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did what they saw fit. Everyone did as what was right in their own eyes. Is that where we live today? Everybody does what they think's right. You do you. I'll do me. But is that what God wants? Today, you can identify with whatever gender you choose. But Scripture teaches that God creates human beings in His image. Male and female. Genesis 1.27 
People say, my body, my choice. Yet we read in the Scripture, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. As long as I'm not hurting anyone, then it's okay. Scripture describes the church as people, and when one part suffers, every part suffers with it. You might not think you're harming just yourself, but you are connected to a web of relationships, a family, a church, a community, and what you do affects all of us. So these consequences of everyone who's doing what's right in their own eyes leads to oppression, sadness, destruction, hurt. Sin leads to oppression. But there is a way out of oppression, and that is through repentance. It means to change your mind. And I'm given a little maybe more credit to the people of Israel than they need to because we hear them crying out. They're going to groan out to God. And I don't know if this is full-scale repentance, but at least they're recognizing, God, we need some help. God, we need some help. And so this idea of repentance breaks the cycle of sin. That's the theme for today. Repentance breaks the cycle of sin. But we see them crying out. And again, we're going to see the, the cycle. They're going to do evil. Some pagan guy is going to work them over, oppress them, and then they're going to cry out for help. That's kind of, we're going to see this several times in Judges. And so here's a couple of examples. Judges chapter 2, verse 18. So go down to Judges chapter 2, verse 18. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning, under those who oppressed and afflicted them. So they're groaning out for help. They're saying, we need some help. Maybe it's selfish and it's like, we're tired of being picked on. I'm not so sure, but they at least are calling out to God for help. And that's where you have to start. You want to break this cycle? You want to break this cycle of sin? You got to just cry out for help. This idea of groaning is like you're about to die. It's this type of moan, groan. There's a picture of it in Ezekiel chapter 30, verse 24, where God says to the prophet, I'm going to break the arms of the king of Egypt, and he's going to groan like a mortally wounded man. Groaning. So they're realizing, we are about to die, God. We need your help. It's almost like when an addict finally hits bottom, and they realize they need some help crying out to help for help. We'll see it again in, in, our, in, our, in a minute and in chapter 3, but the idea of just crying out to God for help. And so if you want to break the cycle, you cannot do it on your own power. We must cry out to God for help. Repentance breaks the cycle of sin. I'm thinking of Romans chapter 5, verse 6. If you want to go in your Bibles, Romans chapter 5, verse 6. The Apostle Paul, uh, this chapter... Uh, is really good. Uh, all of Romans is good, but Romans chapter 5, verse 6. This is the Apostle Paul. He's given us hope. Romans 5, verse 6. So we're right after the book of Acts. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. What is beautiful about judges which I don't know if I can even say that in a sentence, but what is beautiful about judges 
is that God still loves his people enough to rescue them after they really screw it up. And Paul reminds us, while we're still powerless, Christ died for us. God doesn't wait for us to get our act together. You just come to him, he'll figure it out. He'll clean you up. And that's a beautiful picture. And the the book of Judges will remind us, even when we are at our worst, God still loves us and he will send a rescuer for us. So sin, oppression, repentance leads to deliverance, leads to rescue. Go to Judges chapter 2, verse 16. We're going to see this. It says, then the Lord raised up judges. And so I want you to think about judges. We kind of think about black robe and the gavel, right? That's one way you could describe a judge. But these judges, I think they take the black robe off and they pick up something strong. And they just start working people over, okay? I mean, there's just some big... Uh, my, one of my, my sons, he loves Shamgar. And he kills several hundred people with an ox goad. You know what an ox goad is? So it's agriculture. So you've got, you're plowing with your ox. And if your ox won't go, you have to have a goad for it. And so a goad is like this big, long stick, because you're kind of behind the plow, ox up there. And it's got like a, something sharp. And then you've got this like counterbalance weight here, you know, like a rock or something. And so you just kind of do one of those to the ox, you know, keep plowing, you know. We've got to get this corn in, rain's coming, okay. And so Shamgar takes this big ox goat and does ninja stuff and kills several hundred people. And that's in the Bible. It's in Judges. You can go read it in chapter 3, okay. Why is that there? But God raised up these judges, so they're like warriors. So like American Ninja Warrior guys, and they rescue God's people. So I'm still trying to figure out, what's, what do we make with this? But almost all of these judges are broken, and they've got some serious character flaws. So we can't just say, okay, be like so-and-so, because they're just not real good. It starts out the best, and then by the, end, by the time you get to Samson, it's a mess. And so let me just kind of lay this out for you in uh, chapter 3. Let's just briefly look at one, the first judge that we see. His name is Othniel. There's not a quiz on that one. But his name is Othniel. And so we pick it up, Judges chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. I just want to, here's one example of a small story. And we see the, the sword, sin, oppression, repentance, deliverance. Are you ready? Just follow along. Uh, Judges 3, verse 7. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Where are we at in the cycle? Sin cycle. That's how it starts. They screw up again. They forgot the Lord, their God. They served the Baals and the Asherahs. That's the gods around them. Verse 8. The anger of the Lord burned against them, against Israel, so that he sold them into the hands of Kushan Rishathaim, king of Aram Naharaim. So they got oppression, right? To whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. So we've got this big bad king working them over for eight years. Sin leads to oppression. Verse 9. But when they cried out to the Lord, repentance, not no, sure, I don't, you know, I don't want to give them like full-scale repentance, but they're at least saying, God, we want some help. We'll give them some repentance. So there's the cycle. When they cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer. That's even our word, deliverance, rescue. 
Okay? They're like superhero guys. Some of these, uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, and so his name is Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, who saved them. That's another deliverance type word, isn't it? Save, rescue, deliverer. Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. You ever heard of Caleb before? Remember those spies who went down into Egypt to spy out Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. You know who the two that were good were? Joshua and Caleb. And you read through Joshua and Caleb's uh, uh, one, it says, and he served God wholeheartedly. You know what tribe Caleb's from? Judah. You know who comes from the tribe of Judah? Jesus. And so we have this tribe of Judah, this first judge, Othniel, whose big brother is Caleb, which on one hand would be a big shadow to live under. Big brother Caleb, who when he's like 80-whatever, he says, I'm as strong now as I was when I was 40 years old coming into this country. Pretty cool guy. And so that's your big brother. And so Othniel's younger brother uh, is Caleb's younger brother. And so he saves them. Verse 10, the spirit of the Lord came upon Othniel. We'll see this a few times where God's spirit is going to come and they're going to do some mighty acts of strength, almost like superhero type stuff. And so the spirit of the Lord, maybe it was a, a wisdom type spirit. Maybe it's a strength physically. Maybe it's, I don't know what it was, but the Holy Spirit came on them for a certain moment of time for a specific purpose comes on them so that he became Israel's judge and he went to war. So again, more of a military type leader. The Lord gave the king, Cushan Rishathaim, king of Aram, into the hands of Othniel, who overpowered him. Victory. So the land had peace for 40 years until Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. That's one small snippet of what we'll see multiple times throughout Judges. And there's several of them we'll see. Some of the stories are longer. Some of them are really short, just like a verse. But that's kind of a pattern. The sin, oppressed, cry out for help. God raises up a leader. And usually as long as the, as the deliverer's there, the, the judge is reigning, things are pretty good. Once the judge dies, the cycle goes again, goes on again and again. And it really just forms that spiral whirlpool into an abyss. It really is uh, pretty sad. So how are we going to respond to this? I'll be honest, some of these stories, my favorite one is next week, Ehud. So get ready for that one. But some of these are just like, where do we go from here, God? This is weird. It's just strange. And so I want to anchor in on this theme. How are we going to break this cycle of sin? It's repentance. It's changing our mind. It's calling out to God for help. And so one prayer that, that Michael reminded me of just recently is called the Jesus Prayer. It's an old, old prayer. You've heard it, I'm sure. Uh, it just goes simply like this. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. People have been praying that for generations. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And so maybe you want to write that down and put it somewhere where you'll see it. Maybe you want to add that into your prayer list or you know, pray that throughout your day. Not in a way that you know, you're never clean, but you know, we're, as followers of Jesus, the blood of Jesus covers our sins. We are clean. But we can still say, Jesus, have mercy on me. Send your mercy upon me.
John Chrysostom, one of the early, early preachers after the apostles dies out, uh, John Chrysostom is credited with saying something like this, a monk, when he eats, drinks, sits, officiates, travels, or does any other thing, must continually cry, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, so that the name of the Lord Jesus, descending into the depths of his heart, should subdue the serpent ruling over the inner pastures. Hear what he's saying? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. It subdues that serpent in your heart and bring life and salvation to your soul. He should always live with the name of the Lord Jesus so that his heart absorbs the Lord and the Lord the heart and the two become one. Repentance breaks the cycle of sin. In those days, Israel had no king and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. The way that we can respond to that is through repentance. And I'm thankful that one day the judges point to the king, the king of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus, who can rescue us from our oppression and our sins. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I pray that you would guide us as we soak into this message of judges over the next few weeks. Some of these are forgotten stories, but they can teach us a lot about us and about your faithfulness and your mercy. And so, Lord, right now, we just pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. And for those who are caught in the snares and traps of sin, I pray that they would find freedom in you. I pray for all of us that our hearts and attitudes would be humbled to experience your love and truth and grace in fresh ways. Lord, as we leave this place, I pray that we would carry with us the power of your Holy Spirit to make more and better followers of you. I pray for stronger marriages. I pray for stronger families. I pray you provide for our needs according to your riches and glory. I pray that you'd put people in our path that will help us and people in our path that we can help. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that empowers us to live on mission for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.